Well, it was all that I could do to keep from crying. Well, you know who had his ashes uh, spread at home plate? The dude that did the Co- Go Cubs Go song. Yeah, Wasn't him Goodman? Steve Goodman? Yeah, Steve Goodman. Go Cubs Go! Go Cubs Go! You know what else he wrote? He wrote the perfect country and western song, and then he sent it to either Waylon Jennings or one of those guys. Well, a friend of mine named Steve Goodman wrote that song. Well, we'll pay attention to that. Sometime around. She's Eliani on the board. We, uh, just got in the building. We're running a, a tad late. And we found out that the, uh, Dunkin' Donuts does not open at 6. We were locked outside. Yeah, and, uh, it opens up at 6.30. The one that used to open at 5.30. Very annoying. So, not even coffee. We just, uh, got to watch the firemen change all their cars around out in front. And, uh, <laughs> it was mayhem. <laughs> it was mayhem. So we are here. SP Futures down 17. NASDAQ Futures. Down 77, Dow Futures down 99. This is after kind of a mixed, kind of a, what they call on the floor an inside day yesterday, and then uh, after a big update uh, the day before. So market does, we have all kinds of Fed people talking. I, the amount of speeches between now and this first rate cut that should have, rate rise that should have been done a year ago, I don't, let's just keep maximizing the speeches. I don't know what the story is with that. Do we have Mr. Lou? I uh, read you five by five, and uh, this is one of those days where I'm I'm glad I wasn't at the studio. Um, yeah, of course, maybe you'd have brought coffee or something from a place that was still open. The South Loop. What is uh? I was with some people last night, uh, Lou, which uh, actually you're kind of guys. Um, two lawyers, two judges. Smart. Yeah, oh, yeah. Thoughtful, conservative. Uh, actually, I think the judges are pretty conservative. One of the uh, lawyers, the defense attorneys, is uh, he still is. Uh, well, let's put it this way: he's a, he's a liberal like me. <laughs> he's a Stevenson, uh, uh, Paul Simon liberal, not not a not a whatever the liberals are now. Yeah, I, I consider myself. It's like my calling myself a Scoop Jackson Democrat, which is what I consider myself to be. Yeah, well, I think I'm sort of right about there, and, and there's a real lot of people that I uh, are like you know. Uh, Chuck Percy Republicans, they're not Trump Republicans. That they're kind of a drift, just like me. So, a lot of people adrift. I don't know if we're going to have a tricky dick call us a silent majority because I don't think we're acting like a majority, are we? We're. Uh, uh, well, I don't know. Look what happened in San Francisco. You know that that was a definite pushback on on ideology or ideologues uh, who uh, who are running an operation uh, incompetently. Well, they and, and I'm, I'm hoping that you know the mayor, the mayor there, who I, I think is, you know, not one of the sharpest knives in the drawer, but she seems to have seen the seen the light on some of this stuff. You know, it only took it only took a monstrous three year crime wave, the flight of business and people from downtown San Francisco, the uh, the, the transformation of a lovely downtown area into an open air drug market, and the uh, the complete failure of their school system. For her to start thinking, oh, you know what? Maybe what we're doing isn't working. Um, I think a lot of people sort of know that. You know, it's uh, one of the one of the topics of this conversation last night. Even though you haven't, you haven't forget your Chicago semi roots, uh, very strange because one of the law firms, one of the gentlemen, they just moved. They remember, you know, remember the Monadnock building, the oldest, yes, sure, the gorgeous, the oh, gorgeous, yeah, uh, yeah car, like black. Building, yeah. It's like the tallest building like ever built without, uh, well, I don't know, the yeah. tallest ever without steel. 
Right. So the so the the brick on the on the bottom floors is what like twelve feet thick, and then every floor drops off like a foot or something. And it's well, no, it was built. It was built the way the old forts were built in uh, in Europe. I, yeah. I was in Heidelberg uh, a couple of a uh, couple of years ago, and the the base walls of that castle are I think twenty five or thirty feet thick to support the weight of the stuff going up on top of them. Yeah, but and he but they moved to West Loop, and. Uh, and in their West Loop, he claims, you know, there's nothing in the South Loop now, but this is the, the kind of the message here is it's really shutting off. I mean, for those that don't know the geography of Chicago, if you're in this, if you're in the South Loop area, you get incredible feeder lines from the South Side, the Rock Island, uh, which is now, you know, it's RTA, but it's, it's the Rock Island tracks coming right here, essentially right into the exchanges, right into the building, for God's sake. And it was, uh, an incredibly vibrant area when the exchanges were going and these buildings down here are huge. And, uh, I think what's happening, uh, Lou, is they moved to the West Loop. You don't have any of that access from either the north side or the south side. You've got the green line, which is over there, which, you know, doesn't really do much for anybody. I guess you get the pink line too, which again doesn't. But the whole idea is the, the young people that have moved over there and the Googles have moved over there and a couple other places. They don't want access from people from the rest of the city. They want the young people that have moved into that area and in the West Loop to just, that's the people they want working there and the people who drive there. They, it's, it's really a, it's almost like a, a demographic phenomenon. They, they don't want access to people from the South Side. No one from the South Side's ever going to work in one of those places. It's, it's really, it's a shame. I mean, it, I mean, I, it's more than a shame. It's, it's a, if you, if you look at the sociology of it, it's, it's frightening. I think you know. I mean, uh, you, you, you understand what I'm talking about? It's, they, they don't want access well, to these places. I, I will just say that my, I have a I have a kid who lives in that area on the west side of the on the west side of the river on the northeast or northwest corner of the of the city, and and he's part of that. He's part of that migration. And the short answer is, yeah, they're they're you know this is. This is the economy, you know, showing showing you what what matters. They want to put, they want you have a huge cohort of millennials that want to live or Gen X, whatever they are, that want to live in the city, and and Chicago ought to be so grateful for that because they're willing to put up with a certain amount. Although I think it's getting close to the tolerance level. They wanted to put up with a certain amount of dysfunction within the city to be close to movies, restaurants, theater, you know, all the things, bar, music scene, all the things that make living downtown worth it. And, and at the same time, Chicago, San Francisco, by the way, great book, San Francisco, by a guy named Michael Schellenberger, and if you want to link to that, uh, it's a, it's a fantastic read. Um, he's the guy who also wrote Apocalypse Never, which is a, a really good assessment of the climate change. But these cities are doing everything in their power to drive those people out. And, and so you're seeing that this is sort of a, the, the hybrid process of, of the collision between the, the desire to live downtown and be part of a vibrant urban scene and the fact that it's dangerous and dirty and uncomfortable and you're accosted by by nitwits and you're subject to the random you know gunfights that break out and and 
subject to a dysfunctional city government that is not going to deal with those problems. So the collision is what you see. Pockets of, you know, major high-end wage earners, the kind of people that Chicago used to draw in by the droves, under under daily of all people, that pockets of that of the, of those folks are going to center up where they can operate and live, where they don't have to interact with the downtown unless it's absolutely necessary, and and that's what you're that's what you're getting. Well, I don't know that we're a lot of the numbers. Well, you know, you know, uh, with some a lot of the other guests, I mean, I constantly talk about these numbers, and we talk about. Uh, the labor numbers and the unemployment numbers, and I don't see how the hell, no matter how you're counting stuff, I don't see how your unemployment rate can be like the lowest ever when your homeless population is the highest ever. I mean, who's who's counting what? Oh, but but I think a lot of that the the, the labor numbers that anyway, you know, we we've talked about this. You've got a very high percentage of people, probably the highest we've had for a while, who are not looking for work, and they don't count into that. That uh, unemployment number, right? Oh, I, so, I, I get it. I'm, I'm, I'm sure that's I'm sure that's a that's a factor. The, the in Denver, we have a huge homeless population here, vis-a-vis the the overall population of Denver. We've got a very large homeless population, and and the city I consider to be Denver, you know, amateur hour. The the the, the, the leadership task here. The elites have really not figured out how to run a city yet, but they are absolutely powerless in dealing with the ideologues within their own ranks who say, "Oh no, no, we can't, we can't be mean to these people." You know, they're just victims. In the meantime, you have you have major homeless uh, tent cities springing up around Coors Field. You know, probably one of the most beautiful ballparks in the in the MLB system. That that. You know, are driving people are driving people out. Um, I, I can't imagine that Chicago, for example, would allow homeless encampments to spring up next to Wrigley. Now they might next to the Cubs because they don't care. But 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 the leadership. But this is just an example of really the, the, the ideology just playing out. If you make your city attractive to open air drug markets and and. Uh, allow willy-nilly encampments anywhere on on street corners or sidewalks. You 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 bring the stuff on yourself. Well, what do you think the? Uh, we're gonna get our, our buddy Doctor Blade on here one of these days. He keeps threatening to come, but uh, we I don't know. We're always full or something. But uh, what do you think that if if a, if a I'm gonna say a regular person uh, that's whatever the hell the definition of that is. Because I've talked to a lot of the homeless people around here, and uh, they all had a job, and all of a sudden showed up one day in the place. Uh, the guys I talked to, they were, um, I won't say, playing with a total full deck, but certainly employable. Uh, I don't know they were if, if to the point where if they had no job in one day, they had the resources to go out and interview at five other places the next day. But they clearly were employable, and, and you know they were decent enough people. That is not that is not the typical situation for a homeless individual in any major metropolitan area. Okay, but what, what my point is, uh, Lou, is if somebody for whatever reason falls into this situation, even if they were, they don't fall into it. 
in most cases, they choose to be into it. Okay, but all right. Well, the, the people I, the group here is getting younger and younger. Well, it's not. It's not the guys. When I first came down here to trade. It was uh, you know, the the guys that came back from Vietnam, all drugged up and kind of weird. You know, older. Uh, it was a different view. It was a whole different group. The United States of Mission at night. And this group is different. They're younger. They're couples. But my point is, it, it, however you fall into that, whether you did it on purpose or not on purpose, how long do you think before you become less? I mean, how, you become less employable. I think by month. How long do you think before you almost need a program to get you back to being employable, even if you want to be? I don't think you're looking at a situation where most of these people are, are going to be employable ever. The, the, the statistics on this stuff are, are stunning. And, and it revolves around, for the most part, drug addiction, the combination of drug addiction and mental illness. And, and at some point, the drug addiction gets bad enough that you really can't distinguish between the people who are drug addicts and the people who are mentally ill. And I think that process with, with fentanyl and, and some of the other stuff that, that are, are hitting these folks, I don't think that it, I don't think it takes very long. I think it's a month, two months. They are in the grip, they are in the grip of an addiction that is so powerful that there's no program for these folks other than picking them up off the streets, incarcerating them, forcing them to take either to take the, the uh, psychotropic medication that is necessary to, to deal with their mental illness or, or denying them the, the drugs that cause them to, the, the, that cause the addiction and forcing them off that and then to keep forcing them from either taking the stuff or from or to take their, their medication. And, and I, I mean, if you, again, I, I'm, I'm going to encourage the, the listeners to, to look at, at Schellenberger's book because he does a, he does a very good analysis of how this stuff is dealt with in Europe, for example, where, where they have a very high level of coercion and they, it, it starts out with a very straightforward, we're going to get you into housing, we're going to get you off the streets, you're not allowed to be on the street. Take your stuff. We're putting you in a in a facility, and you can have a room. And if you don't stay there, and you go back out on the street, and next time you're in jail, and you stay in jail if you until you serve off whatever we convict you of. And if you come back out and you do it again, you go into jail for a longer time. Well, what is what are the? I mean, every city's probably different, but I mean, Chicago obviously spends a lot of money on a lot of stuff. I mean, I have a feeling that there are. That there are programs. I mean, clearly, in some of these bills and some of these fortunes of money they're printing and throwing at everybody, somewhere buried in there, there has to be pro. Are people just not chief? This is not the programs you're talking about. Are programs for the most part designed by people like you, who think all we have to do is sit these people down and explain to them what the circumstances are. Oh, I don't get think that at all. A, get them into a place that's safe. And warm, and and where they're taking care. I I, I think the, the if if somebody gets laid off someplace or doesn't have a job, I think you got about two or three weeks to get them going somewhere else before they fall into this abyss that they don't come out of unless it's a real it's a real problem. I don't I don't think that but, at all. Well, well, my point is, by the time these folks surface, and again, I'm I'm going off of what I've read. By the time these folks surface into these programs, 
they're they're either in a in a situation where they they either refuse to to conform to the requirements of any kind of you know show up on time do this don't take drugs they refuse to or they are they are because of mental illness unable to and as i said once the drug addiction gets a hold of them it it rapidly becomes irrelevant whether they are mentally ill or or addicted the the impact on them is is effectively the same well i i, I agree and, and I, it's horrific and i think it's failure to our failure to grab onto this and 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 recognize what we're dealing with is is a choice for these folks in many cases and and they're not going to choose the things we need them to choose what i'm saying i i think it would be a a serious process to get somebody back to being able to work an eight-hour day. I think, oh yeah, I think it would, it would be a while. I mean, it's not. It's not. We got your job. You're going tomorrow. I don't. I don't. I don't think you're close to that. I think you're absolutely right. It's a process. It's going to be it, get somebody back together it, two hours one day, maybe four hours the next week. I mean, it's it's and it's coercive. It's got to have a coercive. It, it, at least at least what we see from Europe and 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 the ineffectiveness of our programs here. Um, it, it, it's a coercive system. Well, where did it, I guess my question is, I, out of my curiosity, because I want to talk to you about other stuff going on in the world. I want to talk where, about where, the Sarah Palin situation. Well, I also want to talk about okay. the thing in, in Canada, but where, where, does the, where do all these people all come from all of a sudden? I mean, they're all, they're, like I say, the age difference is dramatically different than it was 30 years ago. They're younger people, they're couples. I mean, it's a... It, it, it's just is, it, are they coming? Are they all? They can't all be from Chicago. Are they coming to major cities from other places or what? I mean, I, I guess I don't know. I mean, we, we can speculate all we want, but the fact is, does anybody know? Do the people who are getting paid to essentially deal with this kind of stuff? Do they even know? Or do they don't even care? I think there's a lot of data. Again, going by what I've read, I think there's a lot of data out there about how these folks or where these folks end up, um, but. You know, a certain amount of it. I, I mean, there's lots of there's lots of fingers or lots of places to point your finger for for blame. I mean, part of it is our is our crappy schooling system in in a variety of places that doesn't prepare people for for you know modern technology jobs because we're not, we don't push people. Part of it is our very generous welfare benefit system that that disincentivizes work up to a certain point. So that that you can draw these benefits. Um, part of it is a is a cultural tolerance of of this kind of activity that I think is has been sitting out there and, and gradually curdling our our, our well, national we'll, work. Let's talk about it more next week. But it also years. it dramatically affects your economics. If you're going to have people leaving that want to work in the city, the central city, it doesn't do you a whole lot of good to spend billions of dollars. Uh, and, and upgrading the railroads to the, to the area of the city where nobody wants to be anymore. I mean, it, I mean, it makes a huge difference on everything. Hey, what? A, how long? How long is it be before they throw this guy in Canada out? After, I mean, I, I tell you what, I, I I I want no part of PTI Securities seeing somebody on TV and freezing his account like they're talking about up there at banks and brokerage firms and stuff. They're not ta- they're not talking about it. They're doing it. But I'm and saying, they, I, I, I and mean, they're I, not just and they're not just freezing accounts. They they had a hacker get into the uh, the donations list for uh, for the truckers, and those those names are being broadcast on Twitter and on Facebook and on social media, saying, "Look, this is a guy who supported the truckers." 
they are being outed by journalists in Canada and the United States. It, it is it is a classic fascist response to to this. I I, I think this. Might, I mean, you know, I've never been a Trudeau fan. I for one thing, I think he's the son of Fidel Castro, but I've never been a, a Trudeau fan. And this is exactly what what the people of Canada voted for. And and I mean I, I don't understand why there's a surprise up there that this is this is what you get. What is really- civil liberties are not are not the equivalent of the United States. They don't have the same they don't have the same traditions. They don't have this stuff written into a constitution. And so this is this is what you end up with. Well, real quick, what is the I've been to Canada a few times, mostly skiing, uh, but uh, the, the difference between let's say Washington is more I won't say intrusive, but more involved in the average person's life here than, as they call it up there, Ottawa. Is, aren't, aren't the provinces, whatever they call them, the, uh, aren't they much more powerful in your daily life up there? Like British Columbia can do pretty much what British Columbia wants, right? It's rather than, that's the government, or the Ontario government. He's, in other words, the governor is more powerful there vis-a-vis the president than, than here. Is that correct or am I wrong there? I would say I would say their federalist system draws a lot on on what we did. They have a lot of power in the in the provinces, but but I think I think Ottawa has a very significant uh, impact, especially within the last twenty five years or so, and and especially in the area of of you know things that you and I would say you you can't do that things like free speech, things like uh, um, you know, free exercise of religion. The dominance of, of certain ideologies into into you know everyday life, uh, you know Canada's always been Canada's always been much more coercive at a federal level than uh, you know than, than our our government has well, been. The, but the thing they just did with this making you know trying to have banks freeze freeze people they don't like's accounts and stuff, which is really scary. I mean, it's almost the next step. Of here, if, making the firms fire, fire people if they're not vaccinated. It's almost like who's ever controlling Biden is also controlling these people. And I'm not saying Biden personally. Cause I think Trump, so, somebody outside of the government has clearly got a lot of influence in all these places. And I wonder who the hell they are, and, and how do we find them and, and and put them in the middle of the ocean somewhere? I mean, I, I mean clearly there, there's 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 a there's an agenda. Why, why why do you why do you say that? Why not just say that Trudeau is is a is a power mad hack? Who is furious that that these truckers aren't listening to him and aren't embracing his his worldview, and so this is his response? Because um, it seems to be more organized than that. And there's a pattern to it. From com- well, there's, to a defi- there's a definite pattern to it, and I think I think he went off the rails when when uh, the Biden people, you know, mumbled something at him about, hey, our our auto our auto workers are starting to have to sh- to uh, lose paychecks. Because we're shutting down our facilities because we can't get our stuff across the uh, across the bridge in Detroit. Why, why? Why don't people? This is a really stupid question. Why don't people use the tunnel? Is that closed off too? Uh, I don't know if they've blockaded that, but you can't put nearly the amount of traffic through that thing that you can across the bridge. I know that. Okay, maybe the big trucks so, can't so, go through there. So I mean, it. it I, I see this. I see this as exactly what I would expect of. Somebody like Trudeau and his ideologically driven party, and the fact that they are now being confronted by a populist revolt. These people are socialists. 
you know, in some cases, quasi or pseudo Marxists, and and they are absolutely flummoxed and and infuriated at the fact that the working class is not doing what they want, and so and so this is their this is their reaction. Well, I hope they, I'll, I'll I hope they, what, I hope they get some of the way you see with the vaccination program here. That's what I'm saying. It's it's almost like it's the next step. Well, it it is. I mean, I mean. Trust me, these vaccine passport things uh, here are headed in that direction. But the idea, the thing, I mean, I guess it's one thing, Lou, I mean, it's a bad thing. If, if government were to uh, round people up, you know, and, like, put them somewhere like people did in Germany, it's quite another. This, this, this new trick, though, where you tell the other people in your in your economy, you tell PTI that if, if we see... Lou Michaels out on the street, and we have an account here. We have the right to freeze it. Does freeze it mean take it? What what, is, what exactly does it mean by freeze it? I don't I don't know what the definition of that well, is. Free, freeze it. Freeze it is designed. Freeze it is designed to stop your access to it, and and it really is just a straight up punishment. It's a penalty. It's unrelated to anything other than pure coercion. But they only and have, so, and so we don't have to. We don't have to. We don't have to point a gun at you anymore. We just make it impossible for you for you to buy groceries, gas. But they only have clothing. But 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 here's as you know, I, I'm always railing about combinations and lack of competition. Okay, now I th- I think you know, I'm, there's there's well, one of our clearing firms is World Bank of Canada bought a place here. There's those guys. There's another Bank of Montreal. There's can there be even five banks in Canada? So I don't know. I know the Royal Bank of Scotland is there. But I mean, there's, but there's not, it's not like here where you can walk down the block downtown here and see, you know, ten different banks. I mean, Illinois is unusual no. in that regard. So, but, so here's here's a question for you. I'll postulate this: there's at least some indication that there's starting to be a bank run in Canada, and and you know there are a lot of Canadians who vacation down in Florida and Texas and Arizona and California, and. You know, what there's there's not much preventing those people from basically pulling their money out of their banks in Canada right now. Well, yeah, it is. And, if and, they freeze them, but, but they're not. They're, yeah. There's nothing. They haven't frozen. You know, they're, they're not freezing everybody's account, and and so they're, they're, we haven't seen the full scale implementation of that. There's nothing stopping those people from suddenly turning around, making massive withdrawals out of their Canadian fund accounts. And transferring it to banks in the United States. That's a that's a huge problem. The money supply is going to drop like a rock, and and they they, well, they, don't, they don't have they don't have more than uh, you know the banks well, the banks rarely maintain more than ten percent of cash on hand, right? Well, I'm saying, but a lot of the money is not going to be cash. It's going to be wired out. Well, but but my point is that the bank doesn't have that money, right? To, to in liquid form. Well, that's what most they, of it's been reinvested somewhere. But that's where they that's where they can borrow from the central bank. I mean, that's what. Uh, well, that's this what could, they, this could create. I, it would not surprise me, and as I said, there's been some indication of it in, in uh, that I've seen on uh, on uh, social media feeds that Canada could be starting a the, the trio could be starting a bank run on his on his uh, his local banks as Canadians look around and say, "What am I doing, having my money here with this despotic government? I'm moving it." What I'm saying is, if you post on social media, Kevin just tweeted in. Uh, that, that you support the demonstrations, they can freeze your bank account. But no, but, but I could actually, I, we got two more things we got to talk to, we don't have that much time, but I, I could walk you through, Let's, next week we'll, I'll walk you through exactly how the multiplier effect works if all of a sudden you have somewhat of a run on a bank. Yeah, no, 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 it's we dramatic. talked about that, yeah. but I, I just, I throw that out there for, for consideration. Okay, I want to talk briefly 
about Sarah Palin. Oh, you also got updates on uh, Ukraine because you're the guy I think has been going to be correct on this. That at the end of the day, Russia's going to get their pound of flesh, or Putin's going to get his pound of flesh, and he's going to back off. Uh, are you still at that? Are you still in that opinion? I'm. A, I'm of the. I'm of the opinion that they they will not do a full scale invasion because it'll be too expensive. If they do anything in terms of taking more territory, they're going to try to uh, establish what I, <coughs> excuse me, what I call the medical, uh bridge, land bridge from eastern Ukraine, where they've got they've got forces to Sevastopol, the Sevastopol, the uh, naval base. That that's territory they might grab. However, they could inflict major damage on the Ukrainian economy and the Ukrainian armed forces. With, with their long range strikes, you know, missile, missile and artillery strikes on, you know, take out runways, destroy power plants, basically causing the Ukrainian people to say, we don't want to mess with this again. Uh, and, and I think that that'll be the extent of it. I don't see a major push by, by Russian military units all the way across Ukraine. They don't have to do that. What, uh, do you think Biden offered, uh, the American judge the, let the girls skate? Was that part of our, our capitulation? Oh, to the Russians? Yeah. No. No. The IOC the IOC's got plenty of corruption in it. They don't they don't need us to further. Well, well now they're gonna let the girls they're gonna let the girls skate, but if she wins she can't go on the podium. What what is what kind of compromise is that? It is it is not a compromise. I, I suspect that somebody there were some fairly hefty bribes paid by the by the Russian Federation to to keep her in the in the competition. <clears throat> this should have in, 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 a, in a rational world, that positive test should have resulted in her immediate disqualification and the disqualification of every Russian athlete in the program. What uh, what, what was the drug? The plug what was the drug? What do you give a 15-year-old, for God's sake? Um, it's some kind of heart medication, but it's not... She doesn't have heart problems. The heart medication improves her endurance. Is this the same and stuff? Her that, ability to, to benefit from training. It's got to be the same stuff that Sharapova had. Um, I don't think it, I don't think it is, but it's related to it. It's called the the, the I, I know the acronym. The acronym's TMZ because of, and I remember that because of obvious reasons. Um, it's like it's like a, somebody who has heart problems taking nitroglycerin opens your heart up more oxygen. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it improves it improves your capacity for for uh, uh, oxygenation of the blood and blood uh, oxygen distribution. That's you know, how it increases endurance. You, you know, we only got a couple of minutes. You know, Sharapova won. Well, she was. Tennis, tennising. <laughs> I was that for a word. She won more f- five match. No, what do the girls play? Three. She won. She won more full set matches than anybody. Even because uh, what's her name would beat everybody in two sets, right? Uh, uh, Williams. Yeah. yeah. But uh, she, but her endurance was. What do you think would happen if your dad was an offensive line coach, which he was, and you know, it's a goal line stand, and all of a sudden he gives everybody a little shot of nitroglycerin, they go up. I bet they'd push the defensive line three yards. Well, I, I mean that's the, that's the yeah that that's the nature of that of that kind of stuff. I mean, you it, it has two benefits. Number one, you can train longer and harder, and and so your muscles benefit from that from that uh, training. And then second, it gives you the ability to, to last longer. Is Sarah Palin? Um, Sarah Palin? She's still hot. I thought she was hot when she was running. I have absolutely no idea what she looks like, but I will say this: that judge made a terrible mistake. In, in broadcasting his intention to, uh, grant a verdict or judgment for the defense in that case, for the defendants in that case, 
the New York Times, rather than letting the jury come to a con its conclusion and and then making his ruling. Because we now know, and, I, and I, I don't know what he was thinking of, the jury was not sequestered. They all had cell phones. He makes his announcement while the jury is still out. How can you, how can it, you even it, do it, that? It, the, the infamous, that knowledge goes to them on their phones almost immediately. They all got push notifications the minute the press went out with it. And then, and then they come back in and say, well, guess what? We're going to vote in favor of the defendants too. Because the guy who knows the most about this case, who's sitting up on the, on the, with the robes on, he's going to do it. So why would we go against him? And well, I mean, the jury foreman said, no, no, it didn't make any difference in our verdict. And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm let's calling BS on that. Oh, yeah, I mean, write this one down. we got to tee this one up next week. Lou, sorry right. sorry, we had to uh, cut this short while we are standing by the front door. But uh, we did the best we could, and thank you. Uh, have a nice weekend. But SP Futures down 11, NSA Futures are down 50. Walmart, however, they had earnings last night. They're up 3 bucks. We'll be right back. Stocks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox. The control freaks guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I didn't invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding health care reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day -day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage health care costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. 
Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello, everybody. Stocks and jocks. I'm Tom Howe. She's Eliani on the board. SP Futures down 650. NASDAQ Futures down 36. Dow Futures down 46. Just as a real quick here, as a way to review yesterday. Yesterday we were mixed. Dow was down 54. S&P up 3. NASDAQ down 15. Uh, Asia... Nikkei down uh, 227.8, Shanghai up to call it flat, Hang Seng up 73.3%. Over in Europe, we've got the DAX up 16.1%, puts it down 34.4, kick around up 35.5. Why don't we uh, bring Dan on and we'll do a full report in the bottom of the hour. We don't want to mess with Dan's time. All right, sounds good. Dan, you with us, bud? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> the guys calling me yesterday say, make sure you ask Dan this, and you, be, you become the guru of stocks and jacks, so uh, you better make sure you're right on all this stuff, you know, just saying. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah absolutely. Hey, ask um, Dan what he thinks about gold, or, 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 is it, or is it buried by Bitcoin? I said, I think Dan's bullish on gold, but I'll let him speak for himself, and I don't think he's all that bullish on Bitcoin, but I'll, I'll let you answer instead of me. Yeah, I mean, gold and silver, you know, we actually bought a little bit of silver on the, um, gold and silver on the, on the sell-off uh, last week. And, you know, they've, they've, they've had a nice little rebound. So I think they're a good, solid, um, hold, you know, whether you want to look at it as a, um, you know, an offset or a hedge to, to strengthen the dollar or inflation, um, or just diversification, frankly, because they, they, they don't always follow, um, in a specific you know, they don't follow a specific um, pattern. Um, so, yes, I would say uh, hold the gold, hold the silver. Um, and the Bitcoin is just, a, you know, a question if you really believe in it. I think Bitcoin is a trading play. You know, we're long-term investors, and I see Bitcoin as, you know, buy it when it hits a low, you know, longer-term low, um, run it up, and then, and then, you know, be able to sell it. Don't look at this as... As a uh, you know long term buy and hold, look at it as a trading opportunity. Uh, so that's where I deal with those. One area that's come <laughs> come into um, looking pretty attractive here is high yield again. And, and we had mentioned this. You know, we've been talking about how for quite some time that the spread, which is the difference on the yield of the high yield bond and the yield of a comparable maturity treasury had been around 300 and then it even got under 300 so 300 meaning 3% uh, 300 basis points and it had gotten down to like 275, 280 the historic lows historic low spreads tight, tight spreads for high yield basically when the high yield market it is at, at its top we're at 212 well today and since the beginning of this year Spreads have widened out to 350, so they're 350 basis points over Treasuries, three and a half percent more. And I think it's a good buying opportunity. You have you have two things happening. You have rates going higher in anticipation of the hike that we're going to start seeing, 
in a couple weeks here. And you also have, um, you know, a little bit of uncertainty in the market. There are people that are arguing that because they're bonds, people are getting out of bonds. Well, that's true if they're 10-year or 30-year, but most of the ones we look at are inside of five years and preferably inside of two years. So to be able to get that nice bounce or that nice widening in, in uh, um, spreads, I think, is attractive. Now, a lot of our high-yield bonds have matured. We talked about Southwest Energy um, that we owned, and we own Genentech, um, which, um, not Genentech, uh, Genworth, um, which is a uh, financial services company. We uh, own Hawaiian uh, Air that, that matured in January. <coughs> so we we have lightened up our position, <coughs> mostly just because these names have matured or been called. One name that we still hold, that I still like, uh, AFSI, it's uh, Amtrust Financial, and here I'm talking about the bond, not the stock. The bond matures in exactly a year and a half. It matures in August of 23. The rate it's paying right now is 6.18, and that's considerably higher than anything we're going to see in the near term with uh, you know, with uh, rates going higher. Uh, so this is a good buy, a good way to play the high-yield market. We'd also talked before about a couple other good ways of playing, and, and we mentioned more than once uh, HYZD. And, again, the benefit of this high-yield zero-duration fund is that the duration is taken out, um, is hedged out of it. So <clears throat> you're really just buying the credit, and you're buying a pool of high-yield or you're buying an allocation of high yield. Um, and another name, um, another ETF, PGHY, same thing you're buying, but in this case you're just buying very short-term high yield bonds, so you're not having that interest rate risk. Um, from the beginning of the year, high yield bonds are down 4.2%, so that's basically in the first six or seven weeks of this year. But another uh, interesting uh uh, also interesting to note is that U.S. corporate bonds are down 6%. So there's been a sell-off in this area. Um, without bragging too much, we've held our own. We're up about 1%. And again, the reason for that is we've stayed away from long-dated, <coughs> long-dated treasuries, <coughs> long-dated corporate bonds. We really stayed away from um, anything that's going to give us interest rate risk because as it's become... Um, Increasingly clear, we are going to see higher rates. We are already seeing higher rates. Well, the two-year at one and a half percent, ten-year at two percent, um, thirty-year at two point three percent. This, this is um, you know people. I have people, clients already asking me now, is this the time to step in? Well, we have never really stepped out. We've just been in those areas that are uh, not exposed to uh, a lot of interest rate risk. So again, stay on the short end. Uh, look at some of those floating rate uh, ETFs we talked about. Um, another new one is uh, one that I think I haven't mentioned is VRIG. That's Invesco's floating rate note. Um, these um, bonds are generally co- corporate bonds, and they generally reset um, six months or less. So the duration is even lower than six months. You've got a very short-term time horizon. You benefit with these as interest rates go up. Yeah, why uh, in a checking account or a savings account? Um, but I don't think the rates are quite as. I don't think they're attractive there. But let's see what happens towards the end of the year. I think we are going to see more attractive rates. Um, and, and finally, I think CDs and savings accounts will be paying something 
after yeah. we see if you hit. Uh, Dan, why do you, uh, breaks. well, I, I think, I think I know what the answer is, but I want to get your, your uh, take on it. Let's, uh, let's look at this for a second from a totally different direction. Uh, whether or not we have, uh, you know, we, we're going to peak in inflation anytime soon. I've been asking everybody, I think I asked you last week the first, based on my work on money supply, you know, when do you think we're actually going to peak out on the inflation and where do you think it's going to, how quickly, if at all, is it going to come down after that? I think we already went through that. But let's, one thing I think we can both agree on is no matter what, the next year, the inflation is going to be 10% or more. I mean, I, I don't, I don't, you might say nine, but we're, we're pretty close, I think, on this. And, and, and if the bumps in Washington are right that they've got it all figured out, maybe next year we're going to talk about a, you know, a seven and a half percent number and it might start gradually to come down. I, I that's, that's Ryan. I'm feel free to disagree. I, I guess, like, why, why doesn't, well, I think I know the answer to the Fed's pouring so much money still in. Why doesn't the yield curve look like it did in 1980? Where the, this year is, I mean, why should anybody, if the inflation this year is going to be 10%, which I, I don't think anybody could debate me on that, uh, other than say it should be high, it's going to be higher. Why would anybody, even though you've managed to find a bond here at 6%, which shows an awful lot of work on your part, why the hell would anybody give anybody money for less than 10% when you, <laughs> when, when the money's going to degrade 10%? I mean, why, why doesn't, why doesn't, this look like well, 1982 where we say, okay, out three years, we're going to have this figured out where the, where the bonds are, where the rates are, the bonds are 12%, but near term is 16. Why, why doesn't it look like that? Why does somebody, why should somebody, even with the bond you found here, by the way, through your own d- diligence, why should I take a 4% hit anywhere on my money this year? Yeah, no, and I, and I agree. And actually, you're stealing my thunder a bit, Tom. I had a, the, my next idea, my, my next idea or, or name that I wanted to mention was, uh, you know, we had talked about some of these high-paying um, uh, preferred stocks, and one in particular, Chicken Soup for the Soul Entertainment. It's a preferred that pays uh, 10% yield, uh, dividend yield. It's a perpetual preferred, which means it's, it does not have a maturity date, but it's mandatory, which means they have to pay the, the dividend. And you're getting 10% there, so the the price of this um, uh, preferred stock actually dropped below its par value uh, earlier in the week. It was trading at 23, the par value being 25. Wow. We were all over it at 23, because now you're getting more than 10%, and it's a solid, solid company. This is where you want to be, and I guess what the point I wanted to make is here's one example of where you can get income where you're going to at least keep pace with, you know, inflation over the next year. And that is the target, is to keep looking for for those higher-yielding um, names in this environment. I would not be surprised, as we continue to do more homework, as spreads of widening high yield, that we're not going to find other names like Am- Amtrust Financial, because this is all just happening right now. The spreads are widening out. There's going to be some... Um, you know, we're going to be, be taking a second look, and there should be some names that are going to be giving us yields that are going to be close to 10% over the over the next year. So, so they're out there. You have to. You're right. You do have to look um, pretty hard to find them. Um, you know, the you know, I guess the other side of that is you know the equity market has been volatile, and in some sectors of the equity market, you've lost a lot of ground this year, year to date. So. Where do you put your money? And and I still, you know, it may sound boring, but I still say as long-term investors, names like Chicken Soup for the Soul Entertainment 
names like Blue Knight, which is that other preferred stock that's paying paying nine plus percent, that has has given us both capital appreciation as well as a nice fat dividend yield. Um, those those are the names you, you know you're gonna that we're focusing on, and we are continuing to look for yields. And I do think if we're patient, we are going to see that yield as this as this year progresses. I don't think high yield bond spreads are going to tighten from here. I think there's going to be opportunity in high yield. Um, you know, we'll talk about those specific names, but I think that's a that's a good place to put money. And um, you know, if you do have equities, I would say kind of use a, a barbell a barbell strategy with equities, where you're you're buying those equities that you think are going to have greater than ten percent um, expectations. So we like utilities. Um, I think utilities have done well. We've talked about a few. One that we, um, you know, just reported this week is this Otter Tail, uh, based in Minneapolis. We had talked about, I mean, not in Minneapolis, based in Minnesota, but they do a lot of um, uh, their electric business in North Dakota and South Dakota and in, in Minnesota. They just increased their dividend by six percent, increased it by six percent. So it's it's continuing to go up. Their business is solid. Um, kind of a boring name, but I think a name that's going to give you. Um, you know, I don't like to make um, assessments of what where we're going to see return specifically, but I think that you know to expect more than ten percent would not be uh, too aggressive. And I think uh, Black Hills, which is another similar utility based in uh, Rapid City, uh, another name that has given us a, a close to a ten percent return. So, so even with utilities, you can get there if you if you do your homework. Um, but I do agree with you. This is an interesting time to try to, you know, outpace inflation. And it's like, sort of like we've been given this challenge all at once. We are in a different environment now. Something I want to point out, too, that I think is very important, and I don't know if... Uh, Dan, we're real quick, we're, oh. not to interrupt, but real quick, but when you say we're in a totally different environment real quick, are you having the same problem I have? Uh, I can ask Dan this on the air, because you're having the same problem conveying that to your clients because i sure as hell am how quickly this I'm, thing I'm is sorry i didn't catch the last have, part if you have an, the same problem conveying to your yes. clients that the world is so much different in the last 90 days yes. than it was last year than i am i'm having a real tough time yes yeah absolutely it's it's um uh absolutely in fact i i just had a client meeting the other day where where i had this issue and, and there was some questions about you know, if we look at our last three years of performance, and I'm like, well, if you look at your last 10 years of performance, the year 2020 is a, can become an outlier. But if you look at the last three years of performance, it's in there. I mean, you're still positive and you're still doing really well. But, you know, um, we are in a different environment and you have to shift your focus. And, you know, I, in most cases, I have discretion. Um, you know, I, so I'm explaining to the clients why we're moving into certain areas like moving into the utilities, um, keeping our infrastructure play, but maybe lightening some of those positions as they rally, um, and really focus on, on you know, getting yield and, and remaining stable, And um, because there's going to be a lot of movement. We're going to see a lot of volatility that's not changing. Volatility is, gonna, is here to stay. Higher inflation is here to stay. The way you invest in higher inflation environments is different. And by the way, you know, you're telling me you want to buy that that other house that's now selling for fifty percent more than when you first looked at it. Yeah. Um, kind of doubtful that we're going to be able to make that, you know, you know, make up that difference in money. Yeah, it's because, 
we are dealing with uh, you know inflation which impacts the um, home uh, you know home the property home, you know other other um, values related to housing besides the the actual number that you know the sales number yeah, um, so yes I am definitely having the same um, struggles and with with some clients and I think the best advice I give is just to remember that we're long term investors yeah I, I've got people you know? in the stocks that where they they have these these companies they love you know a lot of, a lot of it is Apple usually but I mean, it's, it's, it, this is an investment anymore this has become a, a religion and uh, yes and, and, and one guy was telling me well you know we need to do more more aggressive more repair and I go I forget what the guy's name was Joe whatever Joe do you have any idea how long you are I mean I, I, re- I really don't wake up every morning thinking you need to be longer <laughs> I mean good right. Lord. I mean what what's what's the it's all about when Apple goes to 200. I don't have enough. I, what, what if it goes to one hundred? Well, it's never. What how can it do that? Well, I don't know. I'm not predicting. I'm just saying that that's your problem, not the fact that going to two hundred would be great for you. We already got that part covered. I was like, but, right. Uh, just as, uh, kind of a same exact. A, I'm not, don't with the exact same issue. It's it's the um, is this the time to go more aggressive? And I've actually got those words from a client. The one the, the the questions that I get that I like are what do you think is going on during this year and what do you think we should be doing are we doing the right things and and my answer to that is just we need to be aware of what's going on you need just you just need to know that the we have to kind of temper the expectation because we do have inflation we also have to now that you know places like Florida for example I mean you, you don't see people wearing masks you know everything is pretty much get, getting back to normal lots of people getting back to work but you still have to have a memory of 2020 oh yeah you cannot erase that year and i was just writing a note to a client to say hey you're you know we just went through this year we're in a different environment you know we're we're, we're you know we're supply chain supply strained environment there's still a lot of demand which is good um, most of the companies are still very um, <clears throat> positive, but they are talking about these constraints, and they are saying that we've seen these in quarter four, and it's likely that we will con- continue to see these pressures, you know, wage pressures, um, et cetera, inflation, you know, um, cost of materials issues, and are we going to be able to pass those on? But at the same time, one concern I, I wanted to mention that has come up, and I, I want the viewers to be aware of this, is that household debt has actually increased during this period. And this has sort of been a quiet, not-so-talked-about area. Credit card debt is way up. Mortgages, obviously, because people have been buying homes. Car loans are up. So household debt as a whole has been has been continuing to increase. And, you know, somebody was saying, well, you know, but investors are still flush with cash. And I'd say... Maybe not flush with cash, maybe flush with equity. You know, equity meaning they're, they're already invested or maybe equity in their homes. But I think it's important to know that this trend is just sort of creeping along that is starting to look significant. That combined with the high yield spreads widening out. I'm not saying we're going into, uh, you know, going to have any horrible things happen over the next year, you know, economically because I do think there is a lot of equity out there. But I do think over the next year we're going to continue to see volatility, and you cannot have the same expectations for, you know, rates that we had, you know, over the past decade. I think we're going to, you know, some of these issues are going to come to fruition, and, and they're going to come to fruition fairly soon. So it's um, people are going to be forced to go back to work when they finally realize they can't <laughs> afford things, and that's not a bad thing. 
um, we're uh, sampling a few um, people out, you know, at the uh, the grocery store and and all that. And everybody is paying more, every, you know, the, the, for the cashiers and for for those jobs. And it's it, that's become a widespread phenomenon. So that's those things are just acceptances, and that means that for at least a period of time, you are going to see continue to see higher food prices, and you know, you just you're you're going to have you're going to continue to see higher gas prices for the for the uh, at least for the short term here. But, uh, you know, there's an expectation, I think, that um, you have to kind of shift that expectation from that high growth, um, you know, uh, part of the business cycle we were in uh, prior to and, and shortly after um, uh, COVID into one that's more, you know, it's going to settle a different way because we have a market that's going to land, as they say, or settle a different way because we do have a Fed that will act. Um, and we do. We know interest rates are higher. The market's already telling us that. Um, it's already built in. We're just going to have to look at our investments, <clears throat> reevaluate our investments, and look for investments that are going to do well in this upcoming environment. In the uh, one of the issues with the uh, the debt, we just went through this yesterday with uh, one of the guests, and I, this, the savings per family. By the way, your personal debt is up from in 2016. It was. 17 trillion now it's up to 21 so it's up what is that yeah 25 percent in 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 four years five years that's a lot uh it is a lot, yeah. and uh but you know what, what the, the the weird phenomenon here with the you know I, who knows who got what but between the checks that went out and the ppp stuff that you know a lot of that went to individuals and people that own stuff by themselves barbers and restaurants and whatever the savings per family number, now this is an average, you know, so it's not a mean, a median, sorry. It is a mean. Uh, the, we, we went, we, we were years where that number was like 6,000, 7,000, like 8,000 per family, right? Which isn't a whole lot. Not when you're, not when a deductible, the average family's deductible and their insurance is probably eight, right? So, you know, that's one, one emergency room visit of being broke, basically, for cash. Right. Uh, that number ballooned, and I wasn't watching it every day. That number ballooned last year with all those checks going out to fifty thousand, and now it's yeah. back down to seventeen eight. And every week it goes down. It was seventeen nine last week. Now it's seventeen eight. Every so we're without having like the next stimulus check or the next PPP payment or whatever all those different programs. Without having any of that, is this number is now draining precipitously. Uh, yes. Which is exactly, I think, what you're, and it, so it doesn't surprise me that it matches up with your saying that the credit card debt and stuff is back up. Your credit card debt, uh, it, it, you can't go back too far on this, Dan, because it used to be, uh, what was it, four years ago, three years ago, they, they pulled student loan debt out of, they used to call it personal right. debt, right? Right. And they, they, yeah. and they separated them apart. But you know, you know what's kind of weird here is that, uh, credit card debt, I'm gonna say, well, Manny and I were doing, it wasn't that long ago. Four or five years ago, student loan debt went by, went past credit yard debt. It might have been six years ago. And now it's like a trillion seven versus credit card debt is a trillion. So it's not just gone by it, it's blown by it. And it continued right. to, I mean, this student loan debt is, is a serious thing. I mean, uh, and it, it's per student, it's 39,000 bucks. Of course, but it, which is misleading because there's a lot of people that are 50 that still have student loan debt. They're no longer students, right? right? So, um, but anyway, it's you're 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 right, man. It's it's the, uh, the you know the the 
Um, it, it's crazy. But I just, just want as a way to review because my memory can get foggy. Back in when we started to actually win the war against inflation, which again I could probably write something up someday, and I, I'm I'm a, become much bigger of a critic critic of Paul Volcker. His last few years, I don't think he needed to take the savings and loan industry out. I really don't, because I think he was having a problem with the lag times on, on inflation, which yeah. is what we're seeing now. And that's, that's another whole story. But I seem to recall that the long-term debt was 12%, because the, the 30-year bond was, uh, was what, 8%, and it was trading for about 67 So that's roughly a third or half, right? So that, that would have made the rate 12%, a little over 12 yep. the 30-year and I think that the two year and the one year was what fifteen or sixteen, right? So, yes. and and I I, I think we're probably going to see something like that now, Dan. I mean, at some point, why why wouldn't we? I mean, it's exactly what the what the world's telling us. We have inflation now for the foreseeable future. You know, by the way, somewhere along the line, they're gonna they're gonna make policy changes and defeat it. So, I would say right now, I want more for one year money than I do for ten year. Yeah, no, that's that's a good point, and, and I do I, I agree with you. I do believe we're moving in that direction. Um, you know, flattening of the flattening of the yield curve definitely is coming. Um, you know, talking about you know uh, money market funds again, CDs, um, cash. You know, um, is going to become is become more important. Um, but it also our economy has this very natural way of kind of moving you or sort of learn you into the areas that you should be at this point in the cycle. In other words, maybe it's not a bad time if you can get three three percent in a savings account to put a little money there that, you know, you've been saving for your new home or whatever and let it sit there for a little while because that, that that's gonna grow. And that that's a it's another you know, the, let's put it this way, the money market bit um uh business industry is 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 gonna be back. And it's gonna, I think by the end of the year, it's gonna be back pretty strongly. And I also agree with you that, you know, looking at those investments in the short term, we always do, but now that you have this extra yield, they look even more attractive. Well, well Dan, so I mean, I love, I love what you guys said over those yields. You know, you've got a, you know, high yield, I think, on the short end is gonna continue to be a good place. We got a dash here, but I'm just gonna make one comment. Did you ever think it was gonna be so much work to find a, a nice 6% yield? Yeah, <laughs> I think I'm on an old. I think I have a tape of an old <clears throat> Bloomberg interview or CNBC interview where I said, and I think the question that the the, the anchor asked me is, is do you um, the reporter asked me is, so do you what, do you think we'll get to six percent? And I and I'll say, oh, that was a bit of a stretch. <laughs> yeah. So. so take care of yourself. But SP yep. futures down twenty one. Nasdaq futures down eighty seven. Be right back. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading 
investing ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know. All while exploring how to live your best life through music, spirits, food, sports, travel, fitness, and a whole lot more. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures. It's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into Wall Street's investment gurus. It's for mavericks who believe in life, luxury, and the pursuit of happiness. It's for you. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities. They play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howard, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with their choice. PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and try to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of Home Source Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification, or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here. Right now. Right here. Right now. Right now. Well, welcome back to Stocks and Jocks. I'm Tom from Tom Hunter. And the board SP futures now down 20. As that futures down 80. Again, Walmart earnings, uh, they had the market, they, they were up, uh, three bucks or, well, they're still up three, three bucks. They were just only up two something. Now they're up three bucks. It popped up again. Trade 136.71. I'll go through those numbers in a second. Uh, the, uh, around the rest of the world, well, the Dow's down 130. Uh, Dow futures. We got Asia, Nikkei down 227.8%. Doesn't even up, down, up, down. Shanghai up two, call that flat. Hang Seng up 73.3%. Uh, over in Europe, We've got the DAX down 36.2%, FTSE down 44.6%, Kek around up 9.1%. Uh, bonds, 1.99, uh, just down 5 basis points. We've ducked under 2% again on the 10-year. Thir- uh, Bund uh, down 2 basis points at 0.25. Japan uh, up 1 basis point to 0.22. Uh, U- the U.S. yesterday, the market was mixed. Dow's down 54, S&P up 3, NASDAQ down 15. It's after a big day on Tuesday, a big, big up day on Tuesday. Oil is uh, down 60 cents to 93.02. Brent down 78 cents, 94.03. Natural gas down 3 cents, 4.68. Arbob down 3 cents to 2.64. Gold continuing to run up, up 21 bucks to 18.93.30. Silver down up 19 cents, 23.80. I'm looking to see if silver can actually break through this 24. It has not been able to yet. We'll see. Maybe this time. 
Uh, copper unchanged 452. And last, we'll get a Bitcoin reading down 1500 to 42,672. Eliani, what do you ask for? Is traffic, weather, sports. A little icy, a little blustery. Yeah. I know, but thankfully uh, things didn't turn out too bad last night. Uh, good morning, everyone. Currently 7.34 a.m. on February 17th. Let's start with sports. In the NBA, Bulls beat Kings 125-118. to 118. Suns beat Rockets 124-121. to 121. In the NHL, Blackhawks will uh, play Blue Jackets tonight. Nothing to report for our friends in Phoenix. In college basketball, U of I loses to uh, Rutgers 59-70, and the Wildcats will be playing Oregon State later tonight. Weather today, uh, Chicago, it is cloudy, it is wet. We do have a winter advisory starting at noon. We're going to be receiving a massive amount of snow, uh, 3 to 7 inches, so please look out for that. Uh, we have a high of 34 and a low of 12. And Phoenix, sunny, 47 with a high of 68 and a low of 43. Traffic this morning, we have traffic eastbound on 290 between Austin all the way to the 290-94 construction intersect, so be mindful of that. Traffic eastbound 90 between Cumberland and the 94 east ramp. Traffic westbound on I-90 between Lawrence and Harlem. More traffic eastbound on 94 between Racine and Union. Traffic westbound 94 between LaSalle and Ohio. We have traffic northbound on I-55 between Central and Kedzie. There is a traffic light outage on Lakeshore Drive causing traffic southbound between Monroe and McFetteridge and traffic northbound on Lakeshore between 18th and Randolph. And that is all I have for you, Chief. Do we have Mr. Flanagan? Yes, you do, Tom. Good morning. Good morning. Um, we're going to give you another opportunity tonight to come up with an excuse to not meet us for dinner, I think, as long as there's, if the storm isn't too bad. <laughs> so start working on your excuse, you know, okay. you know if you know how you are. <laughs> it's the snow, Tom. <laughs> that sock drawer, it got, it got rearranged again. i got to put that back in shape. Uh, hey, your buddy Elon Musk is accusing the SEC of calculated efforts to chill his right to free speech. They would never do that, would they? Oh, of course not. What dimension are you living in, Tom? Yeah. What do, you, what do you think of a guy who uh, sold $24 billion or $22 billion worth of stack, a stock last year for tax reasons, and now because of, of new stock options they gave him, he's got more than we started from, we started the year with? That's not Smart bad. money management. That's huh? not bad. How would you like to go out and sell like four cars, and then you, when you walk out, you still got 12 cars like when you started? Worth more than ever. They're worth more than ever. And then you get the cash from the floor. I, I love doing it. I'm going through these. Uh, Walmart earnings, and I would like your uh, feeling on what earnings per share a buck fifty three. Okay, they actually net income was uh, one twenty eight, but they must have had an extraordinary item in there somewhere. So, all right, so if you multiply that by four, you're talking about a little over six bucks, and the stock is trading uh, one thirty six. So we're talking twenty three times earnings. Eh, you know, it's pretty high for a retailer. Um, I'm a little concerned about this number here. Uh, total revenue, $152.87 billion, which is an awful lot, by the way. It's more than like the next three combined. Uh, from 152.08 a year earlier. And I'm going to say, Jan, that there's probably been across the board 7 to 10% increase in uh, prices. So I'm going to say that's a horrible number. Yeah, in in terms of sales units, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, in fact, I'm 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 shocked that it's that. I, w- I would have guessed that it went up six seven percent. I mean, honestly, because I think mean, like Walmart, you know, does. A, I mean, is it, is it lack of product they've had in some areas, or 
or just people don't have the scratch? I mean, what do you what do you think it is? It's a lot of things. I mean, part of it I think is, is unequal distribution or availability of stuff, and people you know are getting stuff other places if there's a temporary or semi permanent shortage at Walmart, and it seems like there is just from stuff I read anecdotally online that there's egg shortages or paper shortages or whatever inexplicable ones but you know where the shelves are cleaned out completely at a local walmart and i think there's only so much a retailer that size can do to to stabilize things when you've got this thing so up in the air on so many levels right now so i I would say you know people are they're they're forced to do what they have to do um they don't like these disruptions you know (laughs) themselves very much because it complicates their life and in, in just keeping their home economies going. Um, but I think we, we really don't know just the scope of how bad things are in people's consumption patterns and available cash and long-term purchases, short-term purchases, you know, satisfying your, your long-term needs versus your short-term needs. Um, people are really at sea. Uh, and but I, I, but I, have to believe, I have to believe that means that people bought I'll take a stab at it, 8% less stuff than a year ago. Yeah. And I, I would be kind of surprised if it weren't that sizable because, it, you know, in a, you know, as as inflation grips down, people, it isn't like any, anybody's wages went up by anything meaningful. No. So the only way that can really translate is in reduced consumption. Aren't you kind of surprised? I mean, um, since you, you kind of live in your, uh, your kind of cave neighborhood up there, uh, it's not a shot. It's just you know more of a description, uh, and you know, and I get I get out well by heading out to Burbs on the weekends. I do my shopping on uh, you know Sunday morning before anybody else is up, which means you can do it real fast, right? But there's like five or six stores that you can go to, and uh, I'm I'm really surprised uh, if you go to the Myers, Jan, and uh, I, don't, I don't know if you probably I don't know if you've even been to a Myers ever because there's not only there any of the city. They're the ones in Michigan you yeah. know, before they were you know known quantity down here. Well, he, he's like the it's like what, what's his name? I don't know what his name is. Mort Meyer or something. He's like the richest man in Michigan. And uh, and, and and Joe Menards is Joe Menard is the richest man in Wisconsin. I mean, it's, well, just like Sam Walton. You yeah, know, these, yeah, these people were ahead of the curve, um, and they knew how to agglomerate. You know, sure. And they and they they put these huge stores together, and they're very they're very well laid out. They're amazingly clean. I mean, I mean, you, you go there and. Uh, Anyway, but I'm saying if you go, for instance, in the pasta aisle now the last couple of weeks, everyone knows I like the Italian cooking. Uh, they've managed to force out like all but a couple of brands, right? So there's only like there, there's their brand, which keeps getting a bigger every every week. They get a little bigger spot, right? So they're down to like three brands, maybe a couple of little off brands. But the pasta aisle was damn near empty the last two weeks. That you get in your car and you drive down to Caputo's, which is the new place that just opened down there. There's a bunch, bunch of them around. It's a bunch yeah, more ethnic. There's one up on my neck of the woods here, too. Uh, I don't think so. The closest one is uh, Grand in Harlem to you. Well, yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that yeah. isn't that close, but it's, I can yeah. go to that kind of my neck of the woods. Yeah, well, but it's so, but, but I'm saying you go into the pasta aisle there and, and there's got to be 30 brands busting at the seams. So obviously, uh, you know, it's, it, I don't. Know, I don't want to call them a spot shortage, or it's a brand shortage, or they they zeroed in. But they seem to be having trouble getting their own, their own, their own Myers brand. Like they push so many people out that maybe they can't order their own stuff. Or it's because it, they're really going with this private brand stuff. And I don't really know the economics of that. I'd love to have somebody on and say just how much 
you know, simple stuff. You go to you go to see the Listerine, right? And Listerine is whatever for a big bottle, say it's three fifty. And there's the Myers next to it, the same color, the same ingredients, which obviously means they're buying it from Listerine, and it's a buck cheaper. I, I would really love to know the economics of that, John. I don't. And then I don't know if you, if people notice. I mean, it's not like I, I hang around in, in the mouthwash aisle, but the, but Eliani knows I, I, I'm a sort of an observant sort. All of a sudden, you'll, you'll see those like ten different kinds of Listerine, and you'll get down from the cheapest, the original. I won't say the cheapest. And then there's the mint, which is, you know, 30 years old, and the one next to it. Well, finally, you'll make it down to where there's, like, one that's orange or something. And it'll say, this one not available under any other brand. Have you seen that notification yeah. and stuff? Oh, yeah. So, obviously, they're not selling that to Myers yet to put in their own bottle for a dollar cheaper. <laughs> it's, it's, it, that, whole, that whole thing about private brands just amazes me somehow. I mean, I don't – I wish I understood how it worked. I mean, I have a decent idea, I think, but – I don't know how you can buy stuff from people and they, and they constantly undercut themselves. I don't, I don't see how that's good business, to be honest with you, unless it's that cheap to, to deliver stuff in a big big bulk or something. And I will notice that like the, the packaging that Myers uses for their mouthwash is not as good as the Listerine's. So they cut back on the on the bottle, shall we say? Maybe that's part of the savings, but it's. I think that whole thing is kind of fascinating. I mean, it, my sister told me you know, she started working for the first Aldi that opened in. In the Chicago area back in the 70s out in Franklin Park. She was in the first group of hires. Um, and, you know, she still talks about the experience. I mean, she learned a lot about how Aldi does things, but how, you know, other retailers do it too. And Aldi, you know, still, I think, prides themselves on having what you would consider name brand items that are simply rebranded. They're, yeah. they're different labeling, they're different licensing, but the, the, often the color scheme for the labels on a can is the same, so you, you, you don't quite notice that it's not quite the same thing that you saw at the Jewel or the Marianos, you know, a couple of days before, but it's, just, it's the same product, and it's the same manufacturer, and it's been licensed out, you know, for marketing purposes under a different name that Aldi has control over, and you, I see this all the time at shopping at Aldi, because that's my point store in the neighborhood, there's nothing as close to me, and, you know, they'll get a, this stuff, you know, out on the shelves and it's you know advertised in advance and you might get hooked on it because it's cheap and it's, it's it tastes fine and then after six months it's gone yeah. and you'll never see it again at this Aldi I, I see it at other Aldi stores that I've shopped in so it's, it's I hate to call it a shell game because it, it isn't a classic shell game but it means you know it's kind of like the same thing that Walmart does where they hook people on their items and then they get to you know create shortages or make people injure shortages and they still don't lose their customer base but it, it isn't a, you know, like a steady flow of products at all and it's quite manipulated and i think that's where their the profit comes in that they're able to do this strategically and you know they, they make tremendous amounts of money doing it but the customer i don't know i don't know if the customer benefits at all well yeah it's i don't the uh the whole phenomenon of how it works and who stacks the aisles and who doesn't we in the next couple of months, we should maybe try and learn more about because clearly, when you see a shortage, I, I always want to know why. I mean, where, where yeah. did it come from? So, what's your uh, what's your take on what's going on in Canada? Dude, that's that's scary oh, to me. Yeah, it was, was really interesting listening to you and Lou today, and um, I agree with Lou that you know the the bank run threat is a real one, and I suspect it isn't an unintended consequence. Um, you, you, you think back to the 30s, Tom, when you know you can see all these film depictions of bank runs, and if, you, if your family lived through it, as everybody did, 
know, people lost confidence in the banking system, and the government, you know, was in no greater shape in some ways because they were they were kind of caught in the middle. They didn't know how to fix this. So, to restore confidence in the banking system, you had the bank holiday under FDR, the beginning of his first term, and the FDIC and the SEC, all these things to to give people assurances that they wouldn't lose money that they put into the banking system because it was it was a perilous loss of confidence in the whole thing. But now you have in, in Canada, this is translating to a, a loss of confidence in the government because the government is telling you how you can spend money and if they don't like how you spent it, they can freeze your assets and convert it. And it isn't that you're losing confidence in the, in the banks, it's the government that's your enemy now. And I suspect that they wouldn't take this step lightly I would hope not, because the, 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 the possibilities for disaster economically and globally are awful if this, if this does start a, a pattern of bank runs, but they don't seem to care. Well, I, you, know, you know what's even worse? Uh, well, I, I talk about a, uh, an argument you can't win with somebody younger or somebody who, well, everybody likes convenience. It's not like, you know, nobody does. Uh, by the way, the market's falling out better. It's around 37 S&Ps, or the... As they sound, one forty-two. Uh, it's not that anybody doesn't want convenience. I mean, even you and I do at our advanced age. But uh, this idea that you're never going to have any cash—I mean, <laughs> the lady in my building, uh, when she rents downstairs, and I, I kind of manage the place because I, you know, I enjoy remodeling and stuff, so I can get my idea where these prices are going up, so I can actually talk about it on the air. You know, unless you're doing it, you don't know, Jen. I don't right. think, but so. She says, "Well, how do you want me, how do you want me to pay you? Uh, I don't know, rattle off the fifteen different ways you can pay people." And I go, "How about like cash or money, <laughs> or cash or check?" And she goes, "Well, I don't have either one of those." I'm like, "Okay." So now she 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 bumps the her, her friend who recommend recommended her is one of the ladies that works at the Tripoli. So <laughs> she she what, what's the what, whatever the mechanism is? She does that to the lady, and then every every the first of the month. I get the envelope at the bar. I'm like, you know, I, you, you couldn't write fiction like this, right? And, uh, and guys, my, my attorneys and judges are going, what did you win a bet? And I go, no, it's a long, it's a long, it's a long story. <laughs> but, <laughs> but how, how is it, what, what if, what, when Lou and I were talking about, you know, potential bank run, what if you can't get cash? Then what do you do? I mean, uh, I mean, I guess you could open up an account in Florida and have them wire it, but if you, now if, if you go take your money out, say you got twenty five grand, they say I want my twenty five grand, they're going to file some huge, uh, some they have to file some huge paper that you took this cash out. Oh yeah, it will be yeah. reported. And you're going to, and you're probably not, you're probably going to have trouble if you if you come across the border with it. it you've got to declare what more than ten or something if you if you're taking it across country lines. And uh, and if you put it in the bank and flip, you're going to end up being a, a, a you know a drug dealer or a money launderer just by taking your own money out of the bank, John. And I, I tell you what, I have a, I have a real problem with it, and I can't get anybody to agree with me anywhere. What's the problem? What do you need cash for? What are you some old guy? I mean, what do we need cash? I said, you know, a lot of your freedom is being able to do business with people without anybody. I'm not talking about avoiding track taxes. I'm not anything like that. But if you and I have a, a ten dollar bet on the Super Bowl. I don't need the world to know. If I lose, I just want to pay you ten bucks. I don't well, especially when cash is a form of you know free speech, as yeah. the Supreme Court has told us fairly emphatically. Uh, and if if you're 
spending of your money is contrary to how the government thinks you should be spending that, or you're, you're doing it for some purpose that's seen as a terrorist you know, group or something you know, worse, um, if they get to decide that, then of course they, they really do own all your money, and not just the cash, but all your electronic holdings and whatever deposits you may have, and they can shut it down. So it's, it's, un, it's, it's unspendable. It's not even yours anymore. Well, and, I mean, the, the government has always had draconian seizure rights when it comes to the IRS or, you know, capturing property to satisfy debts or whatever. And if they want to, you know, sue you as a terrorist and put a lien on everything you own, um, they can do it. And they've got a really good success record at this, too, unfortunately. Oh, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that uh, everybody knows my, my view on these cryptocurrencies. I think they're fake stocks. I think they're worthless. And I think they're, I mean, I hope people that I know that are involved don't lose all their money. But the the only thing I can see there, John, and these are not constructed like that, is the more these governments start clamping down on the cash where you can't use cash on airplanes, you can't use cash to buy a sandwich in this place, the more people do that, I, I think you're going you're gonna to have a demand for an alternative payment system that every single person does get to look at. Now, if... If there was a, say, a Saudi government you could count on, which I obviously can't count on these people, I think they're murderers, but that's another story. Um, you know, if they came out with something that said, you know, here's a, we'll call it, we'll call it a Flanagan, and, and one Flanagan is worth a, a cup of oil, I, I, you know, if it had a basis to it, I'm not so sure that the way these fiat currencies are going, that that thing wouldn't be fairly acceptable in not a whole lot of period of time. I, uh, I mean, I'm talking about not, not tomorrow, but in over a decade or two decades. I mean, if it was handled properly, I think a lot of people would, would you know, not just the drug dealers. I mean, regular people are saying, I don't want these people to know what I'm doing. I mean, if, if, if there was something like that, but n- none of the current ones on the market are anything like that. There's, there's no basis to them. There's no value to them. There's nothing in my mind. Um, you know, people will say, what about, what about the blockchain? You're not buying blockchain. Okay, if you if you can buy the blockchain, then I, then I'm with you. But you're not. You're not becoming a shareholder in Blockchain Inc. Are you? No, you're not at all. So anyway, without getting into a huge crypto discussion, I'm saying, but the, I think there will become a demand if every single time you do something, it's it's a way for you know some fascist government uh, to to look look up your shorts. You're going to find a way to do something different, or we're going to go back to a lot of barter system where people are going to say. Well, what are you? What are you? Well, I'm a mechanic. Well, my car's got a problem. Well, my house needs painting. Fine, I'll paint your house. You fix my car. I mean, we're we're going to start doing that again, John. We're going to have to. If, you know, I, I think. I mean, I, you know, hope, well, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be fix, fixing people's cars to get my house faded. But you know what I'm saying? But it, it, I think we're already seeing some of that. Oh, I do too, Tom. I, I think once you start driving businesses to the point where the only way they can conduct business is by doing it off the books. Or you know, evading reporting systems because it's you know it's just it's not feasible to do it that way, or, or it's becoming illegal to do it that way. Yeah. Worse, uh, but then then you encourage a kind of you know this this is what money laundering is supposedly driven by the fact that you you are trying to disguise or mask whatever money trail you've created here, or who's getting what and how much of it is being skimmed off in what directions and whether that's legal or not or you know, murderous or you name it. And it, 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 that kind of you know, enterprise is always a response to, you know, the government snooping around to say what the heck's going on here because there's something wrong with it. And 
generally people have trusted the government not to be snooping around. Well, you know, yeah, well why, that, when you, that when ship is sailing. Writing a check to some political action committee or a candidate for public office in an election that's perfectly constitutional. Well, the best that isn't what we expect governments to be worried about or even thinking about. Well, once it starts, once you start, you know, the the nine eleven thing. Uh, once you start after that, then all you have to do is put bureaucrats in those jobs, and whatever it is, they just keep thinking. Wow, we got this law. Well, I get to see what Jan does, but now looks to me like Jan can get away with it doing this way. Well, now we got to make sure he can't do it that way. And it becomes it becomes a game. Well, look at what, what's happened. To, you know, the latest disclosure about the scandal in the, the elementary school on the north side of Chicago. Which you one know, was that? Which one was the that? And the, the financial officers of the, of the school cooking up this fake, you know, purchase order scheme to mask money that's being given directly to the principal. So that you know she can fund her, you know, extravagant lifestyle, and that the system really you know allows you to do that until you get caught. You know, and luckily in this case, you know, they caught these people. But it's after they've left the system, um, and now you got this, this you know two hundred fifty thousand dollar lease hole in the budget because of crooked behavior. That the, the way the thing is structured, you're almost encouraged to do this if you have a criminal bent. You know, here's a here's perfect cover for you to do it, and you get people on your side who will you know protect you, and you protect them. It's it's a classic you know system where you know if you're crooks crook to begin with, there's ways you can protect your crookedness. Certainly. Well, yeah, we we know a few of those. Oh yeah, <laughs> some of them are pretty high up. <laughs> yeah. uh, what uh, you've you've heard? Uh, you were listening, I'm sure. You're listening to the a lot of the inflation discussions. What? I guess I'm not going to. I'm not going to ask you what your opinion is on, on on that necessarily because I think we've all talked about it. But what is your what you know, what is your historical opinion about essentially the, the the government not allowing the numbers to reflect the reality? I mean, I don't think I've ever seen that. Maybe maybe I was just too young and didn't recognize it. Um, but I never really thought. I know my my, my brother always argues me on this because. Uh, because it's for whatever reason, when Pullman had the, uh, you know, the, the railroad car contracts, I didn't write the contracts. The contracts were written where we used the CPI as the. Now my brother, you now he he worked for, tell uh, his name of the place. It wasn't Union Tank. It was one of the rail car companies, and he said, well, on the, on the freight side of the business, they never used the CPI. They used, you know, the they'll be like the metals index or something like that. Because obviously the, the the, the tank cars, you know, whatever, what, 90% steel? You know, so there wasn't any much point in, in using the CPI. They used much more targeted indices. Uh, he said, he basically said, well, nobody uses CPI. Well, don't tell me nobody because that's what we use. Because obviously in, in the in a, in a passenger car, you're going to have seats, you're going to have lights, you're going to have those kinds of things, windows that probably are more conducive I want you know more like the CPI than just a, a metals index. I maybe should use a, some of both. I mean, he's probably right. If you if they would have really thought about it, they probably would have used you know something different. But I, I I never thought, John, that the CPI was rigged back then. It seemed to me that the inflation was around ten percent, and the CPI said it was ten percent. You know, I mean, I, I mean, it wasn't like. You know, for for years the CPI says it's like zero or one percent. You look around and you see stuff, you know, big items: automobiles, hospitalization, houses, over a twenty-year period. Instead of the the point five percent that the government says it is, it's really like you know three hundred percent or something. Not, not 
50 basis points versus 300. Um, the, uh, I don't recall that either, Tom. I, yeah. I never remember thinking that, that inflation was being underestimated or underreported. Um, I always thought that there was, it was a fairly you know, upfront yeah. you know, approach to it. At least it, it appeared to be at the time, and I think that was, that was really key. Uh, that you didn't have a sense that, that things were far worse than you were being told they were. Well, it was a lagging indicator. It's it's always been that. Right. To where by the time you see it in the numbers, it's pretty well embedded. And then at the end of it, when it's when it's probably gone, it's still poking through the last few months, even though you look around and say, where the hell is it? I think there's, just by the way that the stuff is gathered, I think there's, there's, there's almost a three to five months, in my experience, uh, you know, delay in, or lag time in the numbers, but that's not unusual on, on big numbers like that for, their, you know, for them to not catch it this month. You know, they'll catch it next month or the month after or whatever. But I, I, I don't know. I mean, now I don't even know what you'd use. I mean, in a, I mean, I mean clearly, uh, you know, I mean, it, it just seems like you can't believe anything. And you know, and I don't know. I'm not so sure that's a good place to be. Well, there's always the possibility to spin this in political ways. So, I mean, the idea of calling it transitory because you don't want people to f- focus too much on it, or, or to at least give them some kind of hope that it's not going to be, you know, permanent. Well, that was that was always a possibility, and politicians, of course, were you know didn't want to be associated with things that were out of control. So, you know, that's not new. But certainly, the idea that you don't have good numbers, and that, you know that the money supply numbers are so completely off the chart of yeah. being unrepresentative of what's really going on and not including that in, in this whole discussion. Um, you can't, I, you can't I even talk about we've that. We've lost, lost control of good data and we don't want people thinking about the data because the data would be far more horrific in its indications than well, maybe, uh, at the grocery store. Maybe they'll come out tomorrow that if I mention money supply, PTI, I'll have to freeze my account. Hey, Tom. <laughs> yep. Freeze your order. I don't think you're wrong. I don't think, take care of yourself, buddy. I'll talk to you about maybe seeing you tonight. SP Futures down 35. NASDAQ Futures down 138. Uh, back tomorrow, Stocks and Jacks. Good job, Oyani. Thanks, Chief. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968. Listen to me very, very carefully. You have no idea what you're doing.